Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's episode is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. Thank you so much for your support, especially want to thank Barry. We'll send access to the premium site. Uh, and uh, you can support the show at support.greatdetectives.net. Also at greatdetectives.net, be sure and check out this week's column. It's a review of a, um, officially it's an audio, uh, full cast audio drama of uh, 12 Angry Men. And my review is available at greatdetectives.net. And you can follow uh, uh, reviews on the Kindle, have it d- uh, downloaded automatically. And you can try that out for free for two weeks. And just do a search in the Kindle store for Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Now it's time for today's episodes of Police Headquarters. And this is actually uh, the last series that we'll have uh, two 15 episodes in until we get to Mr. King, Tracer of Lost Persons. Uh, but here now is episodes 16 and 17, The Tommy Gun Murders and The Perfect Murder. Police headquarters calling cars 12, 50, and 21. Cars 12, 50, and 21. Report to Central Station. Calling Detective Aiken. Detective Aiken in 41. Call your precinct. That's all. up now, Andy? Something big, Captain. The way they're doing and the boy's out. Yeah. Tom's probably cut loose. Police headquarters. Yeah, this is Captain Aiken. What's up? They went into the Crescent Garage down the east side, Captain. Well, we need the 10th precinct is on the scene. What is it, murder? Yeah, five of them. Well, Tom, I'm on my way. Step. Yeah, step on it, Andy. Right. Valentine's Day affair, Captain, except they got a copper this time. Who? A young fella named McGrady. He heard the shots and come running up and they got him with a Tommy gun. Dirty sneaking rats. Who else they get? They got four employees at the unemployed trucking company. Hmm, racket case, huh? Yeah. Well, I know just where to put my finger on this one. Uh, where can we get away from this mob? Uh, there's an office right over here. Good, let's use it. Any eyewitnesses? Well, there was a fellow on the force who was with him, uh, with McGrady, when he was killed. He was off duty, though, at the time. Mm-hmm. Bring him in. Okay. Police headquarters. Bunch of yellow rats. Hello, give me powers and identification. Uh, here's the man who was with McGrady. Good. Uh, wait till I get the fingerprint bureau. Right, sir. Hello, Frank. Captain Aiken. Another one of those wholesale murder cases out of the Crescent Garage. 
Yeah, a mix-up in the truck racket. Killed a copper and four others. Stand by for description. All right, uh, what's your name? Wilbur Smith, sir. I was talking to McGrady uh, when... You can uh, say that. Uh, did you see the mugs that shot him? Uh, yeah, there was a big touring car, top up, and about five or six men in it. Now, wait a minute. Frank, uh, get the radio working for a large touring top up. Uh, what color? Uh, gray. Car's gray, uh, Frank. Five or six mugs in it. Get that going and come back to the phone. All right, Smith, tell us what happened. Well, I was talking to Pat, who was standing over in front of a cafe there on the corner. Well, Pat? Uh, Pat McGrady, the officer they killed. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, all of a sudden, we hear shots in the garage here, and Pat jerks out his gun and beats it in this direction. Then a car whips out of this driveway and heads up the street. Pat puts a couple of shots into it, and then they cut loose on him with a Tommy gun, and it was all over. Yeah. I beat it into the garage here and see four guys laying on the floor, so I grabbed the phone and called headquarters. You recognize any of the mugs in the touring? No, none of them. Yeah, probably brought in from out of town with a job, in which case they'll scatter as soon as they can and get back with the sticks. Now, hold it. Yeah. Uh, hello, Frank. Add this to your description. The car will probably have a bullet hole or two in it. I got a hunch the killers are from out of town and will be trying to get back. Cover all airports, railroad stations, and steamship terminals. We've got to head them off. <laughs> done in this garage affair? All was possible, sir. We've barricaded all roads and are searching every car. We've blocked railroad stations and steamships and airlines. We've got a thousand men in the field right now. And no trace of the killers? One, we found the car abandoned. Uh, Powers went over it for fingerprints. He's checking the Department of Justice records right now. It's a new crowd, sir, not in our files. Hmm. You find out what was behind all this? Yes, I talked to the head of the unemployed truckers, and he said some mugs had been trying to make the firm pay protection money and that they'd refuse to do it. So the racketeers think they can get away with blasting the way in, eh? Yes, sir. Well, they can't. What is this? A city or a gangster's hangout? We're not going to fool with this thing, Aiken. I want every man put on 24-hour duty until we find these killers. Yes, sir. Yes? Well, just a minute. To you, Aiken. Thanks. Captain Aiken. What's that? Oh, nice work, Powers. Hmm. New one's on us, huh? Okay, keep at it. Something new? Yes, Powers traced uh, two of the prints on that car through the DJ records. One of the men was Antonio Moretti, once convicted in California for arson. The other was Ward Dugan, who served seven years in San Quentin. Neither of them uh, has ever been in our records, sir. All right, get after it, Aiken. Yes, sir. Wire California authorities, complete description. They'll probably have more dope on them than we have. Get pictures and send them my telephoto all over the country. This state won't rest. And it has those men in the death house awaiting execution. Mark you, Captain. Let's see it. Hmm. My heck, that's fast work. Get me the commissioner. Hello, Commissioner. Uh, I just got a wire from the California authorities. Both of these men were picked up as they got off the train in San Francisco. A Dugan made a break for it and was killed. Now, they have him already, and I got a hunch that he was the guy who handled the Tommy gun. Yes, sir. I'll leave tonight, sir. Yes, Captain? Assign Sergeant O'Brien to my desk for a week or so and call my home and tell my wife I'm a bag packed. I'm going after the rat who killed Patrick McGrady. Uh-huh. 
Chief Nelson? Yes. I'm Captain Aiken. Well, how do you do? We've been expecting you, Captain. Sit down. Thanks. Have a nice trip? Yeah, had a long one. Well, we've got your man for you, Aiken. Good. You received the extradition papers, didn't you, Chief? Yes, got them by airmail this morning. Well, Moretti is only two steps from the gallows right now. Big case? Yeah, the biggest manhunt our department has engaged in in several years. I want to thank you fellows out here for the cooperation you've given us. Oh, that's all right. Smoke? No, thanks. When are you leaving? In the morning. Come alone? Yes. You fellows back east don't have much information on Moretti, do you? No. If you had, you'd have sent four men to take him back. Four men? Why? Moretti is a bad hombre. All right. I can take care of him all right. Well, I've no doubt that you can handle Moretti. It's his mob that I'm worrying about. You think they'll try to spring him? Think it. I know it. Well, it makes you so sure. Moretti has a lot of money behind him. Big money. Mm. He has a lot of friends who'd think nothing of pulling a regular massacre to get him free. Well, why haven't they tried it before now? For the simple reason that he's been too well guarded. As soon as they find out that you're taking him back alone, they're going to try to spring him sometime during the trip east. Mm. They should have sent someone with you, Aiken. Well, they did give me a private car. That'll help some. And I have the usual supply of leg irons and chains. Well, I wish you luck. <laughs> oh, yes, there's something else. We're delivering another prisoner to your estate, a hot check artist named Turner. Mm. Maybe you'd like to take him along as sort of anchor for Moretti, chain him together, huh? All right with me. Good idea sometimes to have a drag on another prisoner. <laughs> All right. We'll meet you at the depot five minutes before train time. And Aiken. Uh, yes? Keep your eyes and ears open. <laughs> I will, Chief. Yes, where's your private car? Now, this one right here. All right, men, bring him up. This is Moretti, Captain Macon. Oh, I'm expected to see a man, not a rat. Yeah, shut your face, copper. <laughs> I can see you two are going to get along just fine. Yeah. This is Turner, the forger. He's chained to Moretti. Okay. Now, if you just sign for these men. All right, here you go. Well, well Chief Nelson, these men are under my responsibility now. Yes, and I'm glad to get them off my hands. Watch him like a hawk, Aiken. They're mean, both of them. I'll watch them, Chief. Well, step aboard, boys. I think the prosecutor will be mighty glad to see both of you men. Now, so long, Chief. When you come east, look us up. I'll do that, Aiken. Keep an eye on those men now. Okay, Chief. They're as good as convicted right now. Traveling with a rat like him, Turner. Well, I'm getting what I deserve. My wife tried to tell me where I was heading and she found out I was passing those checks. Mm. Oh, how far are we now? About halfway. What do we do in Pleasanton? Pleasanton? Why? We'll take on water there, and I'd like to get a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Sorry, Turner, but i got to keep the chain to Moretti. If it was you alone, I'd be glad to let you take a breather, but Moretti has to be watched. Okay, Captain. When do we get there? Well, we're, uh, we're slowing down with a stop now. Maybe you could open the door at each end of the car to let new air in here. It's getting pretty stuffy. Well, I, I can do that. There. How's that? Better. A lot better. 
Well, I'd better shut him now. Put him up, Copper. Say, what's up? Up high, Copper. Oh, a jail delivery, huh? Should have known that you were the one to watch Turner. I'm ready to ask me to open that door. I'd have told him to go to blazes. What are you talking about, Copper? Oh, don't try to cover him up. I I know he's working with you. Why didn't you bring a mob? Five men are hardly enough. You better shut up and get the old keys out. We're taking Moretti with us. Come on, boys. Come on in. No, you're not getting away with this. You're not getting away with this. Ah, you ain't got a chance, see? Give me them keys. Not a chance, Mark. (laughs) Try to get funny with me, huh? Get his keys, boys. All right, put him up. Yeah, hey, whatever. All of it. Come on, pick him up. Come on in. Holy smoke, the dick! Fellows, if it makes any difference to you... Uh, hurt you much, Cap? Not much. Say what's coming off around here. Things are happening too fast for me. Take it easy, Captain. I have seven men here. We've been after these mugs for a year. It was this gang that pulled your garage murders. Chain them together, boys. Yeah, but how'd you know they were getting on the train back there? How'd you fellows happen to be here? Why, we've been on the train since you left. Just waiting for something like this. Huh? We had the car here wired so we'd know if anyone came in. When we got the signal, we... Signal? From who? Why, from Frank Turner here. Turner? You mean that hot check passer? Yeah, only he's not a hot check passer. He happens to be the Western Director of the Department of Justice. Police headquarters. Okay, Captain. Hello, Tim. Order two patrols and a motorcycle escort to the Union Station. Captain Aiken's arriving with six prisoners. Police headquarters, Lieutenant McGuire. Uh, this is Anthony A. Wilson. Yes? I live at 1937 Huntington Road. Yes? I'm going to commit suicide, and I want to notify the police. Wait a minute. What did you say? Get the number on this call, Anderson. Right. I'm going to commit suicide, and I want to notify the police. Can you speak a little louder, please? The, the line's noisy. I know you're stalling for time, officer, but it won't do any good. Listen. Hello. Hello. Oh, they mackerel, he meant it. What's up, Sergeant? The fellow just called in and told us he was going to commit suicide, and it sounded very much as if he did. I heard a shout over the wire. Did you trace the call? The switchboard operator's working on it now. Oh, that must be the report. Hello? Yeah. Yeah? Hey, what's that address again? One, nine, three, seven, Huntington Road, yeah? Anthony A. Wilson. Okay, thanks. That's the same name and address the guy gave me over the phone. Quick. Get a car and meet me at the side door. All right. Give me the radio room. Hello. Get a patrol car out to 1937 Huntington Road. Put in an ambulance follow-up to the same address. The report was a case of suicide. Now, here we are. That's the radio patrol just ahead. Yeah, stay here. If I need you, I'll yell. All right. Hey, what's going on here? What's it to you? I'm Lieutenant McGuire from Central Station. Oh, uh, I beg your pardon. I'm uh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you without your uniform. I'm Officer O'Brien. What did you find on this call? Oh, I just got here a couple of minutes ago myself, sir. Can't get anyone to answer the door. Is it locked? No, sir. Well, let's go inside. Lights on, sir. Yeah. Hello! Hello, anybody home? Must be somebody here, Lieutenant. There's a fire burning in the living room grate. Hello, who lives here? Let's go upstairs. All right. As we drove up, I thought I saw a light burning on one of the upstairs rooms on this side. What are you expecting, Lieutenant? Well, I don't know yet. We received a call telling us that a man was going to commit suicide in this house. It may be just a gag. That's the light under the door, Lieutenant. Yeah. 
Well, we'll see. Well, let's go in. Nobody in here, either. Hey, listen. What's that noise? Sounds like water, sir. Coming from the bathroom. Open the door. What? There's someone in the shower, sir. Hey, what's, what's the big idea? We're officers. Dry yourself and come out of that shower. Officers? What's wrong? Are you in the house alone? No. No, Mr. Wilson is downstairs in his study. Didn't you hear us knocking? No. No, the shower running, I suppose. How long have you been in that shower? Oh, about ten minutes. Hear anything like a shot? Why, why no. Say, what We just you... received a call from a Mr. Anthony Wilson telling us that he was going to commit suicide. We heard a shot over the wire. Then he meant it. What do you mean? Let's get downstairs. Quick, throw me that robe. Come on. What did you mean he meant it? Well, I saw Mr. Wilson with his pistol earlier this evening. I asked him what he was going to do with it, and he laughed and said he was thinking of killing himself. I did, huh? Yeah. Well, I suppose he was joking and thought nothing more of it. Here. And this is the door. <coughs> Locked. Got a key? No. Mr. Wilson has the only one. Key's still in the lock inside. Any other door to this room? No. The only door. Uh, we'd better break it in. Give me a hand, O'Brien. All right. Uh, you need an axe, officer. That door is solid oak, three inches thick. Any windows? Yes, there are two long ones opening off the porch outside. Good, we'll try those. Now, never mind the door, O'Brien. Okay. Now, officer Anderson is out in the car. Get him, will you? Yes, sir. Now, these are the windows? Yes. Now, they're locked, both of them. Here, stand back. What are you going to do? Break the glass around the lock. There. Now, if I can reach the lock... That's it. Well, there we are. Now, just where... What's wrong? Oh, take it easy, fellow. Looks like Wilson told you the truth. He is dead. Bullet wound self-inflicted? It appears so, Lieutenant. What size gun did you find? A twenty-two Camp Perry model target gun. Hmm. Uh, where was the gun lying? Right between his legs in the chair. Oh, that's natural enough. Uh, you say the man called uh, police headquarters and announced his intention of shooting himself, huh? Yeah. I took the call myself. I heard the shot right after. Well, uh, you'll observe he's sitting in his chair at his desk... Telephone still in his left hand. A bullet hole is square between the eyes and the head's thrown back. Possibly from the impact. Yeah. And the windows were locked from the inside and the room was locked with a key turned crosswise on the inside of the door. Uh, yes, sir, Lieutenant. I'll turn in my report of the suicide. I wouldn't be too hasty with that report, Doctor. Well, why not? You uh, found the print of Wilson's forefinger on the gun trigger. Yeah, I know, but a lot of things don't ring true. Of course, I might be wrong, but... Well, uh, what sounds out of line to you? Uh, just this. If I was going to commit suicide, I'd use a man-sized gun, a forty-four, or forty-five, not a twenty-two. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to leave a possibility of it not killing me. Mm-hmm. In the second place, here's a man who stages his suicide very deliberately. He calmly calls the police station and tells us he's going to kill himself. Yet he locks the door and bars the windows, making it difficult to get to him. I see what you what you mean, but 
Remember, Lieutenant, in practically every case of suicide, you're dealing with a deranged mind. Possibly your man didn't stop to think of, a, of the size of gun or <laughs> the inconvenience he'd be causing you. I know, it's not much to go on, but I have a feeling there's something phony here. Take that bullet wound in the center of the man's forehead, Doc. I want you to look at it very carefully. And if you can, show me the approximate angle the bullet entered the brain. You see, I have an idea of a... time to get a statement from you since we busted in on your shower this evening. Uh, sit down. Thanks. Your name? Graves. Harold Graves. How are you related to Mr. Wilson? Well, I'm not related to him. I am, or rather I have been, his private secretary. You live here? Yes. Do you know any reason for Mr. Wilson killing himself? Well, no, no good reason. He's had a lot of business worries lately, but then we all do. That's no reason for killing oneself, is it? No, I suppose not. What were his chief worries? A collection of rents from his various properties. They seem slow in coming in. Mm-hmm. Well, just what are your duties, Mr. Gray? Well, I handle Mr. Wilson's correspondence, make out the bills and assist in the collections. His holdings are quite extensive. I see. Did Mr. Wilson have an argument with anyone recently? No, not that I know of. Anyone else with him tonight when you went upstairs? Oh, yes. Mr. Stallings was with him when I left. Uh, Stallings is the manager of Mr. Wilson's largest apartment house. Hmm. Oh, how did he and Stallings get along? Well, all right, as far as I know. Well, I guess that washes things up. You'll have to come down to headquarters tomorrow and make a written report of what's happened. Oh, sorry about your job. Oh, that's all right. I can get another. Uh-huh. Oh, by the way, I'd like to get my pipe out of Mr. Wilson's study. I wanted to get it a while ago, but the officer on the door told me you'd given orders for no one to go inside. I did. But it'll be all right for you to get your pipe. Don't touch anything else, though. No, I won't. Oh, uh, just a minute. Where can I find this Mr. Stallings? I'd like to talk to him. I'm afraid you're a little too late for that. He resigned this evening and told Mr. Wilson he was going someplace out west for his wife's help. Oh, I see. Well, uh, go ahead and get your pipe. Thank you. O'Brien. Let's get around there. Right. I did like it told me, sir. Shh. I'll open this window when I get the signal. Right. All right, let's go. Sorry, Gray. You're under arrest on a charge of murder. What? What do you mean? Now, you can lay off of the innocence, Gray. Give me that key. Have you gone crazy? What key? The key you took out of the inside of this door. I saw you substitute another just now. I knew you'd do it as soon as we gave you a chance to get into this room. Here's the key, sir. Had it in his hand. Take a good look at it, O'Brien. You'll see that it formerly had the shaft of another key soldered onto it. See that shiny spot on the end there? Yeah. That was the first thing to give Gray away. Gray turned the lock from the outside with the piece that he'd soldered to the original key. Then adding a bit more pressure, he broke off the extra piece from the outside, leaving the key in place with the door locked. Well, I'll... All right, Gray. Why did you kill him? Very well, I'll tell you. That story of him being worried about rent collections was on the level. He was worrying about them because you were stealing them. Well, what if I was? A miserly old skin flint? It wouldn't pay a decent wage. That doesn't justify murder, Gray. You want to sign a statement admitting that you killed him? You'll have to prove that. That's easy. 
Finding the trick key in your possession is enough by itself. However, here are a few other things against you. All figured out, huh? Yeah. All. <laughs> you killed Wilson because he was going to have you arrested for stealing from him. You used the twenty-two because you were afraid the shot would be heard. Then you called headquarters and telling us that you were Wilson himself, you fired a second shot with a gun. You fired that shot into a pillow and we found the pillow in your room. That's a lie. Don't try to lie out of it, Gray. Besides, you made another error. A very grievous error. After you fired both shots, you put the telephone in Wilson's hand and wiped the pistol clean of your fingerprint. Then you placed Wilson's forefinger in the trigger so we'd find his print on it. Well, what about it? Nothing, except you shot Wilson right between the eyes. A man shooting himself between the eyes with a Camp Perry twenty-two can't pull the trigger with his forefinger. He's got to do it with his thumb. Take him down, O'Brien. Police headquarters. Okay, Sergeant. Hello, Tim. Send the jailer to the homicide office for a prisoner. Police headquarters. Welcome back. Uh, in that first case, I have to wonder how it played out when they got home in terms of when Captain Aiken was asked how he subdued all of those prisoners when he'd just gone to get one. Uh, whether he told the truth or if he said something like, you just, sometimes you just have it. The second one was clever, and I'm glad it turned out that the servant was the murderer, because otherwise he was, he would have been a fairly, uh, dense person, sees a guy, uh, with his gun and joke, and saying he's committed suicide, oh, that joker says he's committing suicide and he's having business problems. This is the Great Depression, no one commits suicide for that. Uh, but it just turned out to be a really bad cover story. Whether it tipped the police off or not, I'm just glad that that didn't turn out to be officially true for the story. All right, well, what is officially true is that'll do it for this week. So join us back here on Monday for The Hunters, which leads us into Pursuit. And we will be back with you on Saturday with two more episodes of Police Headquarters. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.